Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with someone that I wanted to have on the podcast for a very long time. I've been a fan for a long time, and in person, he's just as delightful as I expected he would be, Ken Marino. Hello. Well, 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 that's very sweet of you to say, and hello to you, hello. Allison. We have a lot to get into. We do? You? We do. Really? Oh, we do. Oh, okay. Let's... We have some. We have some to get into. All right. Let's, let's... We have some to get into. Yeah. Let's start with the most important thing thus far. You have a little ring thing on the back of your phone. I do. And I have a loop on the back of my phone. Yes. Explain your reasoning. Uh, my, uh, a friend of mine said, I have this ring thing mm-hmm. that I put on the back of my phone I have one more for you. I think you'd like it. And I said, is it free? And he said, yes, we're friends, much like us now. We're right. best, best friends. friends. And, I, and he gave it to me. And it's terrific. You put it on the back of your phone, and it's then safe, right? you can hold it. What I like about it is I put my finger through it, and then I'm not like holding my phone, but I'm holding my phone. Same. And I enjoy that. You know, something else about the phone that somebody said, and I did it here, and I uh, would like to apologize, is they say when somebody goes out to a restaurant or something and they put their phone on the table, mm-hmm. um, it's it's sort of subconsciously they're saying this phone is more important than our uh, gathering or us being together, and I don't want to do that. So, But I can't put it in my, my jeans because when I sit down, I'm wearing um, – not tight jeans, but you know the the classic uh, skinny jeans I would type ca- thing. I would call skinny jeans tight jeans. I guess, but I don't want to say I'm wearing tight jeans because that implies that I'm like I go out and get tight jeans like to I don't know I don't know to, to, to flaunt to, your to, butt. Yeah, which I I just I just enjoy. I don't like the big baggy jeans. Sure, you know how you it like is. a snug fit. I like a snug fit more it, so. My wife likes the snug mm-hmm. fit, and she says get the skinny jeans, and so I do. So I'm going to put the phone away from the mic over here. Thank you. I feel instantly more important. Well, you are. You are the most important person in this conversation as we speak. I'm all. He- I'm here, all in for you to talk about our lives, our careers, uh, our dreams. Our, I, we could talk about our dreams. Anything you want to talk about, because uh, uh, I know it's just the title of the thing, but I do feel like we are probably um, best friends at this point. Sometimes after a particularly great podcast, I will, for the rest of the day, want to text my guest. Mm -hmm. You feel free to text me anytime and I will respond. This is going swimmingly. Listen, I'm here and I'm open. I am an open book. You seem so present. I'm present and... I'll tell you the one thing that I'm bummed out about. Oh, please. When I, yesterday I wore shorts Mm -hmm. uh, and I played some basketball and I had, I put my lip balm in my shorts. Oh, no. And I didn't transfer them to my skinny jeans. And now my lips are a little, shall we say, not, not. As moisturized. I'm just not, they're not as comfortable as they, as they are when I put a little lip balm on. What kind of lip balm? Or whatever's whatever's handy. 
I mean, nine times out of ten, it's it's uh, it's lip balm. It's shit that I don't even like. It's got flavors to it. I don't know how it got in the house. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's in my pocket, uh, but I use it because the end result of whatever uh, said uh, lip balm it is, uh, the end result is is, uh, is 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 there are more pros to it than cons. So if it tastes like this weird flavor, I'm okay with that because my lips are um, comfortable. Would you like me to pause and go get you some? I have creme brulee fr- flavored lip balm, and I, I mean, also this have is what this straight about. up Vaseline. Just you have creme brulee flavor. Yeah. Do you really? <laughs> yeah, I do. And uh, when I first tried it, I thought this is gross, and I will never use it again. But then recently, I found myself reaching for it. But I could also, I also just have plain Vaseline, which I find lately, even though I have. Sure, like every woman, and maybe you, spent tons of money on expensive lip balms. I find Vaseline is the best. Vaseline's terrific. It's, you- it's all just, it's a I product. Will- it's just, just trying to make money, but you, yeah, Vaseline. No. You know what you could also do, hmm. and this is uh, this might disturb you, but, you know, the the uh, natural uh, 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 You're wiping oils, your nose. oils from your nose. Oh, my gosh. Just you like could, you put in beer in college. Yeah, you go like that. Listen, no guess. Nobody saw what I did, but <laughs> no, I just but basically I, I rubbed your... my finger on my nose and then I rubbed it on my lips. Look, no guest of mine is going to have uncomfortable lips during my podcast. I'm, oh, they're already comfortable. Because you rubbed your nose on them? I rubbed, rubbed your finger. I rubbed my nose uh, grease right. onto my lips. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you feel yourself drying out, you let me know and I will run and, and fetch some lip balm. I think I'll be okay now because I realized I have uh, a, sh- a shiny T-zone, so... I'm all, I'm I'm basically a walking uh, lip balm. I mean, my thank- face, my T zone is a walking. Well, my my T zone doesn't walk, but I'm a walking lip balm. Right, conveying your T zone. Yeah. To and fro. Yeah. Let's talk about dog days. Do you don't want to talk about <laughs> my T zone anymore? <laughs> well, let's we talk could. about dog days. We could talk sure. about your skincare regimen. We can. All right. What is it? Um, at night, well, I put, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I, uh, Kiehl's, um, sort of, uh, has a little corner of their store for men mm-hmm. and I'm a sucker for that. Oh, blue colored, uh, uh, bottles. My husband so let is me go, too. let me get the blue cup co- because yeah. then it's uh facial cream for men, right? not this stuff uh, for women, but it's all the same stuff, mm-hmm. but it's blue. Right. So I get that and I put that on my face during the day and then at night they have a, black like a <laughs> like a black uh, uh heavy cream one and it's black mm-hmm. and so i put that on my face it too. the cream itself is just cream right um but the 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 container, container. that it's in is like very masculine um and so i put that on my face and uh yeah that's what i do any breakouts ever? Every once in a while, I do breakouts, and there's this wonderful thing called uh, skin. It's not spelled like skin. Oh, is it S K Y N? Yes, and uh, and there's these little, little, almost like um, little sticky circles I that think you they're put. Called pimple patches. Yeah, they're great. And then what I do is I put them on uh, when I see one coming because I uh, because if I don't, I always just like uh, uh, unconsciously like. Uh, or I'm not aware of it. I just kind of touch the mm-hmm. touch it, and then the oils from my finger. We talked about this earlier, right? Uh, you know, just make it uh, worse, inflame, inflame yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but you put that that little skin thing on for a day, and all of a sudden the pimple goes through its process, and then all of a sudden it's gone. 
How much does it show? Like, is this a thing that you put eh, on? And if stay the home? light hits it right, it somebody will like go. Oh, is there a little? Is it clear though? It's clear. Oh my god, I've got to get these. It's great, and there's different different sizes, much like band aids. I was just reading a thing yesterday about it was like this the, is what best friends talk about, right? Yes. Okay. They're great. best friends of mine. Uh, what were you reading? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. By the way, some of my listeners experience like ecstasy when I talk about skincare products with guests Mm -hmm. and also makeup and like any sort of grooming type stuff. Yeah. I think it's unexpected that it's happening with you, but they will be delighted. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that they'll be delighted. I'm delighted to talk about it. Wonderful. Anyway, I clicked on something that was like five mistakes. Oh, I know what it was. It was, it was total clickbait. It's like six mistakes you're making when you fly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I've, I've got to know what what sure. am I doing wrong, and uh, one of them is not wearing pimple patches if you get a breakout on a plane. Yeah, that's such it was a very weird. It was such a roundabout. It was really weird mistake. I don't yeah. think that's a mistake. No, it's- I know. I like each little subheading when I got to the you know one through six mistakes you're making. It was very confused. I'm like, is it saying to do this or to not do this? It was very, it was a, conf- it was not it's, written well. It seems like the pimple patch people are behind this and uh, somehow. Maybe uh, they were, maybe they uh, are. It's some sort of uh, paid advertisement. Oh my God. Did I click on Taboola or Tabuli? Do you know what that, you know, like you'll be reading actual news and then you'll see little, little pictures of things that is like, you know, the thing that's causing cancer that your doctors don't tell you. It's mm-hmm. like sponsored by Taboola or yeah. Tabuli. Yeah. Or what is Tabuli? Like I thought Tabuli was like a... Uh, yeah, like a, like brain. A, yeah. It's this- also uh, sponsored by um, uh, uh, doctors? <laughs> yes. Huh. It's uh, it's the sponsored arm of JAMA, mm-hmm. the Journal of American Medical... Uh, I don't know. Um, it's spelled differently. Mm-hmm. It's not... A grain-based Israeli couscous right. situation, and I might be pronouncing it wrong. I just right. know that they put uh, cryptic bullshit news on in your real news. Well, I know I I, I pulled up uh, five ways you can sleep better uh, through the night uh, on Baba Ganesh. <laughs> was it helpful? <laughs> no, but it was delicious. So, Dog Days, uh, a movie that you directed. That's and correct. Your wife wrote it. Uh, she was one it. of the. She was one of the co-writers. Yeah, I saw it. It involves. It's like m- multiple stories that weave together, all of which have something to do with dogs. And as I told you when we were direct messaging before uh, this interview, it all of a sudden I found myself bawling near the end. It snuck up on me, um, and I didn't. It was weird. Like, I knew, it, oh, this is emotional, this is emotional. And then suddenly I just was, like, bawling. I am pregnant. I think pregnancy hormones are making me, well, I don't, don't know. Don't make an excuse no, about it. Just it really, because yeah. I mean, maybe, got, the movie, maybe the movie was a movie that uh, uh, made you feel something. It, it doesn't. You don't, don't, you don't have to blame it on your pregnancy right. just because it's a dog Have movie. you gotten that from a lot of people, that they found themselves bawling? I... Um, you know, we tried to make a movie that was both funny and, uh, had an emotional, um, uh, you know, uh, thread to it, or, uh, you know, like there, there were some emotional parts that we wanted to pull on some, uh, what do you call heart, uh, strings. heart strings? And, uh, and I feel like we did a nice job with it. And, um, yeah, people, people, uh, have been responding positively about that. 
or some I mean some people I don't know, other people might not like it but well, I think uh, they're wrong well look uh, right wrong look I don't know I don't know who these people are what they've been through are right. they pregnant are they not pregnant um you know, are their lips dry? We don't know. We don't, right. We don't know their individual struggles. Um, but yes, I mean, bottom line is they're wrong. What was it? And I, I know that you've gotten this question. I think it's the obvious question. And, um, and I'm going to ask it anyway. What was uh, working with a bunch of dogs like? Uh, it was fine. I mean, do you want, the, the real answer is, is this real talk? Are we just yeah. doing real talk? Let's just do a little bit of real talk because right. I am curious how the it real is the real with dogs. answer is uh, we you know uh, the dogs were adorable. Um, we moved so fast and there were so many dogs in the movie and I was uh, as uh, you know as director I was thinking about a lot of different things and we hired a really t- a terrific uh, trainer um, and the actors probably spent more time with the dogs than I did uh, because I was. With you know, uh, directing the actors and telling the trainer what to do, and then I was behind the camera talking to the DP and dealing with a lot of stuff. So the dogs were fine. the do- The dogs were very nice. I wish I would have gotten to know them a little bit more. Like had some time when the cameras were down to kind of play with them and be like, "Oh my gosh, what a cute dog!" But I did a little bit of that in pre production. But then once we started shooting, um, thank goodness the the dogs were well trained mm-hmm. and they they did everything we wanted them to do. To you know, a certain extent. Hmm. So, so not at all what you hear about. Who was it who said don't work with dogs or children? Uh, was it W. C. Fields? Sounds I mean, right. I think they attribute it to W. C. Fields, but yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know if he said it. Um, uh, if he actually said it. Uh, you know, I mean, like dogs are uh, these sweet animals, and when they're it, th- this movie didn't call for them to do like crazy you know, uh, stunts. I made some mistakes in, um, thinking that a dog, I'm going to get a little technical about like, you know, shooting a movie, but like I had all these like steady cam shots mm-hmm. of like being in front of the dog, but right in front of the dog. So the dog's snout is right in the camera. And I wanted, you know, my whole goal for the whole movie is I wanted you to feel and like th- the dogs, I wanted them to be characters in the movie. And I wanted you to like, I wanted the movie to feel warm, like you can pet the dog, and the dog was right there, and um, and so I had these shots of instead of like a, a, a just setting up a camera and having a dog walk past it, um, I, you know, I wanted to do these like steady cam shots. But the truth is, is a dog is doesn't know how to keep uh, <laughs> you know t- t- two feet away from the camera, three feet away from the camera while you steady cam backwards with mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's just looking at its trainer right out, uh, you know, uh, past camera with a treat and, and wanting to get to the treat. So it took me um, a day to realize, oh, I can't do those shots. They, they, um, they don't work. Although there are some of those shots. In the mm-hmm. What's working with your wife like? Because you guys worked on Burning Love together as well, right? Yes. She created the show Burning Love and then I directed it and I was in the first, well, I, was in, I guess all three seasons of it. Um, but... Uh, it's great. I mean, my I uh, met my wife um, fourteen years ago, and we really enjoy each other's sense of humor. And so, over the years, uh, we've worked on different things together. And she's helped uh, with uh, David Wayne and I on certain projects. And um, 
And then Burning Love came about um, while she was pregnant with my son Riley. She did a sort of a, a bachelor marathon. And um, at the time, Adam Scott and Naomi, his wife, uh, and Eric and myself, uh, we were into watching The Bachelor. And so she wrote this short for Adam and I to do. And then um, uh, we went and shot it. And it became Burning Love. Um, but uh, it's the best, working with my wife. How'd you I mean, get- she uh, over the years, we've, we've figured out a way. Because like early on, it was... It was uh, either, you know, if we, if I had a suggestion or if she had a suggestion, we were both like, oh, my God, that's great, <laughs> you know. And then, uh, you know, much like um, a, a marriage or a relationship, as time goes on, you know, by, you know, the, the pleasantries are like, you know, the walking on eggshells about mm-hmm. like what you like and what you don't like sort of go away and there's a more honest conversation. And, and what I realized as we've moved forward is that, um, sometimes I drive my wife a little crazy, uh, and she's just like, stop telling me the ideas and let me sort of just like go away and think about it and write my version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's a legitimate writer and I'm, I come from like a sketch, uh, world in college and right out of college I was in the state. And so whenever I would write stuff, I would write it like, uh, you know, if I was with David Wayne, or, and I still t- t- write differently with David than I do with Erica. Um, I, you know, I, we, we, David and I, or Joe Latruglia and I would just act it out mm-hmm. and be like, okay, and then the guy <laughs> says this, and then, you know, we would jump around and act like idiots. And then, you know, Erica's like, stop acting all the parts, mm-hmm. just what's the idea of the scene? And then it filters through her and then she'll show me a version and then I'll go back and make a suggestion or do my version. And then she'll tell me my version's okay, but she makes it better. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, she's um, a better writer than I am <laughs> and funnier. Are you able to easily, let's say you, there's a story something you're writing. Are you able to easily know where, how it's going to start, where it's going to go and how it's going to end or does sort of acting out the parts allow you to feel that out it's a case-by-case thing sometimes you have do you 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 write yes and this is actually a question just for anyone who's like this sounds familiar i was asking john henson this uh as well i'm i'm maybe i wasn't asking him this is a great tangent um i have a lot of trouble outlining i have a lot of trouble like knowing an entire project without just getting in and writing because right. things go different but i write prose so things go a different direction than i thought and i sort of discovered in the course of writing it right. which is terrible for like selling an outline well you wouldn't or i well, mean trying not... to get someone intrigued within an outline right but by the time you try to sell the outline you've you've gone through your process of how you get to point A to point B to point C, right? It's, it's not... Yeah, so, yes. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, That's but okay. I mean, I think the my, my response to your question is everybody writes differently. And so there are people... I was just listening to Quentin Tarantino and Chris Nolan talking on some interview that they did, and Tarantino talking like he... Normally, he just starts writing, and he doesn't know what the end is, and then he lets the characters tell him mm-hmm. what the third act is, you know. And that's that's 
one way of writing. And mm-hmm. then there are people who are like, I want to like have a very specific outline. I want to know exactly what, what that, you know, like that, that the, the cold open is and like, you know, like the first image and I want to know how it ends. And then I'm going to work my way towards that in a creative way and in un- unpredictable, unexpected ways. But I know what my end is. Everybody's got a different, um, uh, approach to it. I, you know, I've, I've, done both there was a movie i wrote called diggers mm. um many years ago and the reason i did it is because uh this comedy the sketch comedy group that i was in the state everybody started writing screenplays and i was like well fuck that i want to write a comedy <laughs> too i'm gonna do something and i wound up writing this like sort of comedy drama about like my childhood on long island growing up in the 70s and my dad was a clam digger and then the clam digging community started dying out and that's not what i you know, in my head, I was I was going to write a big, broad comedy, and then I wound up writing that, and I didn't know what where the movie went. I just wanted to write. I just started to write scenes, and so I was. I think with that, I just I started writing like just different scenes for different characters, and then I plopped them in, and then I was like, okay, well, how do I get from here to here to here to here, and what is the ending? What what's what's going to be a satisfying ending? Whereas later projects that I've written with David Wayne or um, things that I've collaborated with my wife on. Um, we've kind of banged out outlines and put up uh, uh, index cards and been like, okay, this is this is what we want to do. This is how we want it to end. So it's it's always it's always a different process, and it's just really, um, you know, whatever whatever uh, gets you through the day. But you know, going off of what you were saying, like you you like to write, and then uh, that will inspire something else. Mm-hmm. I always think of it as like people talk about writer's block and like, well, I can't write anything. And my feeling is if you have writer's block, just write something. Mm -hmm. And it's like walking up to like a door. And if you don't open that door, you won't see that there's like three other doors beyond that door that you can open up. But if you don't open up that door, which is to say, if you don't put pen to paper or fingers to typewriter and you don't just start writing something, it could be a honking mess, but uh, if you don't start writing something to get your mind kind of uh, uh, lathered up, mm-hmm. right, uh, then you'll never be able, you'll never get past that first door to see that there's three other doors back there, and those three other doors are like waiting for you. You just have to kind of motivate yourself because it's very simple to kind of um, sit in your own, um, you know shit and be like i i I can't write anything right then you then you're never even approaching that first door Mm -hmm. yeah that that makes so much sense you can't see all the doors if you're just in front of the you haven't opened it that's exactly right uh i did not paraphrase that well but still i thought you paraphrased it beautiful (laughs) beautifully but um you know we're best friends so i i you get what i you get get what you're saying before you even say it you know what i mean it's just feels good to be understood Long Island. You grew up on Long Island. I did. What was your childhood like? My childhood was um, f- fine. Very different than what my kids' childhoods hoods are, mm-hmm. are are like. Um, uh, you know, my parents, uh, my dad worked a lot and my mom uh, worked a lot. And it was a different time. So, like, I would get on my bike uh, and then not show up until dinner, and my parents wouldn't even think about it. And I would, the 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 space I covered and the places I went as a eleven year old mm-hmm. and a ten year old blow my mind because I now that I have a, a an eleven year old son and a nine year old daughter, I'm like, how, how how did my parents let me out and and 
and and do, do those things. I was tiny, mm-hmm. and like the world's a crazy place with a lot of things that could go terribly wrong. Did you encounter dangerous situations? I mean, I feel like I have moments where I feel like I almost got hit by cars a lot, and like you know, like I still think of specific moments of like riding my bike and like a, a truck just missing me, and like there there are there are moments where you know. Older kids wanted to beat the crap out of me, and like, and, you know, and, and and it was a, it was strange because it was like I was just figuring that out without having uh, helicopter parents, mm-hmm. which I feel like uh, I am, and my, <laughs> maybe my wife is as well, you know, and um, and it's interesting to to think about, um, but uh, I don't know what that has to do with Long Island. I mean, Long Island was very nice. I wouldn't uh, necessarily. Um, I don't think I would be happy if I was still living there. Mm-hmm. My parents live there, and it's nice to visit, and there are very nice parts of Long Island, um, and I have fond memories of Long Island. But it's also like, um, you know, like right now, Long Island is very, very Trumpy, and it's weird, and it's sort of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm-hmm. weird. Um, uh, and, you know, there's... The, the, um, and then, you know, Long Island, Long Island people are... A very specific type of person. It's sort of like, you know, a a a uh, there's a there's a Jersey Shore uh, vibe that happens on Long Island uh, of, of personalities that uh, I don't uh, relate to so well. Um, I I I sort of I get it, and I certainly use it as a um, as a tool uh, for my acting uh, for certain characters, but. Um, uh, but I'm glad I moved to Manhattan where I met a wide range of different people and personalities and, um, and things like that. What was your first career aspiration? My first, what did I want to do? Yeah. First thing, I mean, I've wanted to act since I was in third grade. So I don't really remember what I wanted to do before that. Um, I'm older, older than you, much older than you. Not that much. And um, I, what did I want to do before I wanted to act? I don't know. I, I made a, I made a decision very early in my life that I wanted to act, which was weird, especially yeah. being from coming from Long Island. And what was great about my parents is they were very supportive and never were like, "You can't do that." Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be in the cesspool business. Like, you know, my dad was a, a cesspool guy after clam digging uh, died out um he had the outfit for it right he had the outfit for cesspools and clam digging i would imagine oh no i guess it's not the same he had an i'm just wait what is this cesspool guy guy is pumps uh he goes to cesspools uh, is like uh you know when you uh where all your uh, shit goes right so it's a it's a and you have to go pump it out right i'm just it doesn't go to a sewer right wouldn't you wear similar sort of waterproof pants whether you're clam digging or no. so, well, do you wear high waters for clam digging yeah okay so i take it back yeah i mean but the clam diggers they wore anything they could i mean you could wear shorts you could wear jeans you could All right. so i take it back he had to go out and get a new outfit he did get a new outfit <laughs> or maybe he didn't i think he just wore jeans and a flannel shirt that's a that, that was the sort of uniform back then. right okay sorry that i don't took be you off sorry course. we're we're friends here right this we're is just chatting this we're is what catching we're doing up. We're catching We're up. We're just catching up. What made you want to act that young? 
I uh, uh, went, we, my sister and I won at this Methodist church that we went to uh, two weekends on Shelter Island at this like church camp. And one of the things that the, uh, the, the end of the end of the two weeks, we had to do a play, our grade. And we did the prodigal son and I joked around a lot. So they made me the prodigal son. And you know the story of the prodigal son? Remind me. There's a father. and He's got two sons and one's responsible. One's a fuck up. And he retires and he gives half his, you know, uh, stuff to the responsible guy and half his stuff to the irresponsible guy. And the irresponsible guy goes out and fucks around, wastes all his money and comes back and he goes, dad, uh, uh, I, I messed up. I spent all my money and I fucked everything up. And the dad has a big party and the, the responsible son's like, why did you have a big party for him? And he's like, well, cause my son was lost and now he's found and this whole thing, blah, blah, blah. So feels uh, unfair to the responsible one, but he, well, it's not, he okay. was just celebrating that his son's back. Okay. Anyway, um, but I guess you're right. It is a little unfair. Uh, who knows how much love he gave his son while his responsible son the whole time. I don't know. Right. Um, so I was the uh, prodigal son, and then I we did the play because I, I, they made me him, and I clowned around, and then I got so scared I locked myself in the bathroom, and my sister talked me out, and I came out, and then everybody laughed at all the stuff I did. Now, you know, hindsight being 2020, they were probably laughing just to encourage me from, from getting out of the bathroom <laughs> so they can continue with their day. Uh, <laughs> continue on with their day but um, in my head I was like everybody's laughing I love this I want to do this for the rest of my life I bet you were really funny I don't know we'll never know No. <laughs> we'll you know we didn't know. have iPhones back then that's right that's right maybe you could call someone up and ask on a rotary oh yeah I mean, I mean oh, they probably have phones now oh everybody's got phones yeah. everybody's got iPhones now I'm just now. saying like someone who was there <sighs> your sister know. is your sister older or younger she's older do yeah. you have, what other siblings do you have? Uh, none that I know of. Okay. Do you have any news for me? No. Okay, good. It's, it's not that kind of pie. It's not a gotcha, here's your sibling oh, thank God. that you didn't know about podcast. Thank God. So then you moved to Manhattan to go to NYU? I did. Mm-hmm. Where you were roommates with David Wayne? I was roommates with David Wayne, uh, not not my first year, uh, but my second year of college. But I met David Wayne and Craig Wedren. Uh, Craig Wedren is um, composer. Uh, he was a composer of all the state stuff, and David Wayne. He and David Wayne knew each other for, since they were three years old. And I met I met uh, the two of them my first day of college, uh, and we've been uh, tied ever since. In fact, uh, Craig's uh, children and my children uh, go to the same school together. Uh, David Wayne's kids uh, we're all they're all the same age, and um, oh, that's kind of crazy. And we're all we all you know are very close and stay in touch, and you know. It's nice. Did you go to NYU to pursue acting? I did. I did. I went, uh, I wanted to be an, like, as a, you know, I wanted to be an actor. And so like all through high school, I would do the plays and I would go to, uh, uh, at, like an acting, uh, school on the weekends or acting classes or whatever, what they, whatever they had on mm-hmm. Long Island for, you know, t- teenagers. Um, and, uh, then, uh, I applied to NYU and I got into NYU um, and then I went there to Lee Strasberg Institute mm. for four years. And did you have an interest in comedy and sketch already or where did that, like did that? That happened because yeah. there was a guy who started the state and his name was Todd Hollebeck and he was, I met him my first year and uh, he was in a sketch group with David Wayne and they uh, they wanted to break off from that sketch group uh, and that sketch group was called the Sterile Yak. Uh, 
um, which Mo Willems, you have a child, so you know Mo Willems, uh, but I'm going to re- re- Piggy and Elephant? I don't know it yet, but I Do know, you know the don't name. Don't Let the Pigeon Ride the Bus? I you, need new songs though are, because I've had this terrible. It's not songs; it's, these are books. He's a, oh. he's, he's like a he's like a hot he's like he's like a, you know a, a very successful, uh, well respected uh, children's book I need author. To go get these. Um, uh, what was his other one? Oh, Knuffle Bunny. Have you read Knuffle no. Bunny? Oh my gosh, we're it's still terrific. doing Snuggle Puppy, and I'm tired of uh, it. Well, get to get get mobile M stuff. Okay. Knuffle Bunny, uh, Piggy and Elephant. Don't let the pigeon drive the bus. They're great, um, and. He had a Mo had a sketch group, and David and Todd broke away. And uh, well, no, actually, David stayed. Todd broke away. He wanted to create a sketch group that was more um, democratic, Mm -hmm. that everybody had a say and a vote. Uh, And he started the new group, which then later became the state. And I was friends with Todd, and he was like, "I'm doing this thing," and I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll 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 come and audition for it." Uh, And I said, "Do I have to wait in line like everybody?" He's like, "No, no, we know each other." So then um, that that gave me incentive to not uh, to 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 do it because I didn't want to wait in line. (laughs) Um, But no, I didn't want to be sketch. uh, I didn't want to do comedy necessarily. Um, I just wanted to be an actor, and um, uh, that that just kind of came about. And then um, you know when I was. Growing up on Long Island, I would always, uh, in 1976, I was uh, seven, six, seven years old, six, something like that. And I would sneak uh, downstairs, or uh, actually seven, eight years old, I would sneak downstairs and watch um, SNL. And uh, so I watched SNL from, was it 76 or 78 when SNL started? I think it was 78, so I was a little older. But um, so I would always watch SNL, and I actually had this crazy experience I, I shot in New York this um, uh, this summer, and I went to SNL for the first time. I was invited to kind of uh, uh, watch the rehearsal, the dress rehearsal, mm-hmm. um, and I had never wanted to in consciously be on SNL because the state was sort of that fix, mm-hmm. kind of filled that need. Um, but when I got to walk around – and watch the dress rehearsal and meet everybody there um, and just kind of walk the halls and look at all the pictures and see all the, just the memorabilia and the history, I got very emotional, uh, much more than I thought I would. Um, and it was really a, uh, a, a wonderful experience uh, that, I, that I did not expect. And I got, um, and, then I st- and then I was like, can I stay and watch the, you know, the, the actual show? And I watched both versions of it. And it was just really an, an amazing experience. And so SNL was a huge uh, uh, probably reason that I uh, ultimately got into the state, but I d- didn't think about it back then. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever wish that you had tried to be on SNL? No. No. Um, just because I... I like I said, that that fix was. I mean, I I worked with what I think are, and I think they're incredibly funny people on SNL. But I like I feel like I worked with like incredibly funny people in the state, mm-hmm. and we all got to experience this thing together. And so I never like there's there's a whole world of people like a whole, this whole thing of people like auditioning for SNL, and I never was. Um, never th- was never was in that groove of mm-hmm. like what that uh, people wanting to do that. I just never thought about that. I always in my head always was like I'm going to be, you know, a serious actor. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just happened to 
uh, get my foot in the door uh, doing comedy, and then um, the things that I that I I guess I'm not, not only am most proud of, but the things that I've gotten the opportunity to do uh, is a lot of comedy. What was your experience in the state like? It was great. I mean, it, it was it was uh, it was. it was like family. I mean, like we, you know, I went to NYU to become an actor or to study, not to become an actor, but to study acting. Mm -hmm. And I wound up falling in, into this group of really super funny people who were very creative and they were my brothers and sister and they, they became my brother and brothers and sister. And, um, we all like built this stuff together all through college and it was sort of my comedy college that I didn't realize I was uh, um, uh, applying to, and uh, it was it was amazing. And what was what's really interesting about that group, I think, is that everybody or a good portion of that group are still are, are out here and working and probably certainly more relevant than we were back then. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, you know, we've, we've kind of established ourselves in this town. Um, and that's kind of crazy to think about that, that, that many people have, have just kind of stuck around doing it, which, um, I think is a testament to how talented I think everybody in that group was. I, I think, I mean, Tom and Tom Lennon and Ben Grant, Joe Latruglia and Kerry Kenny and Mike Black and Showalter and I mean, it's just David Wayne. It's just, it's just, it's like a crazy group of people that, um, that I feel very lucky to have been part of. Mm. So then, when did uh, writing and directing come about? Um, I'm going to name the other uh, state people: so Kevin Allison, Kevin Allison, and, and Michael Patrick Jan and Todd Halbeck. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when did that come about? Kevin Allison, one of the funniest people. Uh, I so had him fun. on the show. I've had a number of state people on the show. Oh, you have? Yeah. Um, in fact, when I so when I was at Time Out in New York, I don't know how this came about, but they had this like brief series with PS1, like through MoMA, where that we were doing what were really they were podcasts actually, but like before podcasts. And I interviewed Michael Showalter a bunch of times, and mm-hmm. then I interviewed Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black. Um, Why did you interview Michael Showalter a bunch of times? It was like it was such a fun little interview that they decided like let's do more of these. Let's do more Michael yeah. Schulter interview. Perfect. And he was he was game for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, I had a web series and I for a little while and I interviewed him for that. And then he and I have kind of like it's not like we text all the time or anything, but we sort Wait, of. Wait, are you guys touch. best friends? Because I thought we. No, had... I can art uh, like honestly, what you and I have means more to me. Uh, look I'm not I don't want I don't even want to compare I think Showalter's a great guy and if he's your best friend so be it he's not though he's like he's not like you know there's that inner you know the inner circle and then there's like beyond that and like right he's not in the don't tell him I said this but he's not in that first I don't have to tell him it's out there it's it's now it's out there (laughs) you're right sometimes we forget that the microphones are in our face dear friend yes that I don't talk to that often and mm-hmm. I, and um you look you just mean more to me well, i appreciate that so anyway uh <laughs> kevin allison i yes. recall <laughs> saying he felt i think intimidated by tom lennon when they when you guys were in the state that tom lennon was just like so i may be putting words in his mouth this is the gist I think so prolific 
Yes. That it was like hard to come to, to, I don't know if it was hard to compete with that or hard to get in, get his foot in a ways or I don't know. I I mean, I didn't uh, hear the interview and, uh, but uh, from what I know, um, I mean, I, I think the group, well, what I could say is the group was pretty intimidating. I mean, you know, there were a lot of um, alphas in the mm. group, a lot of, you know, uh, and I mean, you know, Carrie included, like there were a lot of uh, 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 strong personalities. And right. then the people who um, were creative but didn't uh, have the desire to uh, f- fight for things or to have like to 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 have um, to force their opinions on certain decisions uh, sort of. Uh, f- fell back a little bit, mm. and I think Kevin, who I think is one of the funniest guys, and he was so funny in the state, and he was so unique and um, just super creative and um, an incredible addition to that group. Uh, I don't think he was ever a guy who wanted to, um, you know, take on that role of like fighting, you know, constantly fighting for stuff. Whereas uh, there were other people in the group who were. You know, more passion—not more passion. Passion's not the right word. Uh, who were um, more hard charging? Yeah, maybe? they would just—they just wanted—they just wanted to. They would—they would do everything they could to kind of get their stuff out there. I, I, me being one of them. Um, you know, I think Tom and uh, Black and Showalter and David Wayne and like there were you know Carrie. There were people who you know uh, enjoyed that, or at least. Uh, did that mm-hmm. um and then there were people who were like i'm not that's not my thing have you um that desire to sort of to push and to get out there and to get your projects made has that continued at the same pace for you throughout your career in this industry yes i think so i i think i think one of the cool things or interesting things or both cool and interesting, uh, that the state uh, created among the individuals in the state is this: when we were when we were working together, there was a competitive, a friendly, passionate, competitive nature to us. We would lift each other up. We certainly uh, supported each other, but everybody wanted to, you know, like we, you you gauged where you were based on where everybody else was. Um, but it, it it didn't get. I don't think ultimately. I mean, there were moments maybe of of ugliness, but like ultimately, it was a. I feel while we were in the state and post state has always been a, a positive, um, uh, helpful uh, tool that we were given somehow, um, or that we took upon ourselves, and it uh, it it. It certainly motivates me, um, and I think it. I think I can't speak for everybody, but I think it uh, motivates uh, everybody in, in the group in a positive way. Um, we all want to see each other succeed. We all want to lift each other up. We all want to um, do well, um, and we will do anything we can to help the other people. Um, but we all also, you know, I think there's a little part of us like I hope I'm, I'm you know, I, I hope I'm doing. Not better, but like I, I gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta be doing well, you know. Right. Um, so I think I think there is that in in that that in the chemistry of what was created mm. for whatever reason. 
But I think that that's what kept everybody, partially what keeps everybody going. Everybody right. was very uh, passionate about um, creating and comedy and, um, and, and performing, and I don't think that that has gone away. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take some questions that listeners sent in. But first, I need to no. talk to you. Oh, you- <laughs> Should I have run that by you ahead of time? No, that's fine. <laughs> first, I need to talk to you guys about Beachbody On Demand. You've heard me talk about Beachbody On Demand for a while now. Have you gotten your free trial yet? Um, you're probably familiar with the Beachbody brand. They are behind uh, workouts like P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix. Uh, Brazil butt lift. Mm. Ken does that. I do. Back in the old days, if you wanted to do P90X, you had to tote around a whole bunch of DVDs and a DVD player. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, it's a streaming sir. service. It's so convenient. You can do it in your home if you travel for work or even just travel for... It doesn't have to be for work. It could just be for pleasure. For play. For yeah, play. For pleasure. <laughs> you know what I like to do? What's that? I like to mix a little play into my work you have to otherwise yeah, it's just burnt out you get burnt out but if i'm traveling for work plus play then i don't have to uh i don't have to skip days on my workout i can just continue my workout in my hotel That's room it. i don't want to drive or here i don't want to drive to the gym i don't have that kind of time you've got that time you don't that have time that to work out in your in your home World-class trainers, Sean T., Shalene Johnson, Tony Horton, Autumn Calabrese. Autumn Calabrese is the trainer who does the active maternity workout, which I did during my... So it's, it's a program that they have specific workouts based on what trimester you're in. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly hard, mm. almost too hard for mm. me, mm-hmm. but I'm happy that I try to do it. I did it during my first pregnancy. I'm going to get onto it again. I was feeling real sick, but now I'm back. I'm back, you guys. I'm back to do a workout that's too hard for me. Almost too hard. Almost too hard. That's right. I need to work on my can-do attitude. Over 700 workouts for all fitness levels, ranging from bodybuilding to weight training to cardio hit to yoga and even dance workouts. And they have workouts that are like as short as 10 minutes and don't require extra equipment. That's right. Those are my favorite workouts. Jackie Johnson turned me on to Country Heat. I don't know about that. It's a short workout and it's fun and it's dance. To country music? Yeah. I don't know Dance-based. Access anywhere and anytime. View on your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, and more. What are you waiting for? Join the over 1 million people currently on Beachbody On Demand. Right now, my listeners can get a special free trial membership when you text Allison to 303030. You'll get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and support, totally free. Again, just text Allison to 303030. That's Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, just one L. I don't know why. It's blame my mom. To 30-30-30. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Let's take some questions from listeners. Is it going to be about working out? Yeah. I've been working out a lot. Have you? Mm-hmm. What do you do? I do uh, the, uh, there's a seven-minute workout. Mm-hmm. I work out in my gym. I mean, in my garage. And uh, I do a thing called a seven-minute workout, and mm-hmm. then I do it like a number of times. And then I do an ab workout, which is an eight-minute workout. And then by the time I'm done, I've done uh, like a 30-minute workout, and I haven't left my house. And it's delightful. What is the seven-minute workout? It's, uh, it it's weights? Like, uh, it's like a high-intensity interval training type thing or a circuit training type mm-hmm. thing. It's all using your body weight, and it's 30 seconds on, 10 seconds off, 30 seconds on, 10 seconds wow. off. Wow. By the time you're done, 
seven minutes, you work your whole body, and then you do it again, and then you start to sweat, and then you do the abs, and then you, you, you're set. Now, you've been working out a lot lately. Are you preparing for a role or just general life health? I'm just uh, preparing to live a long life. Hmm. Yeah. But it's maybe good. it's a role that I don't know about. Why, you got something in mind? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm also a casting director. I did. I like. I don't like oh to mention gosh. it. Yeah, like yeah. when I fly on a plane and people are like, "What do you do?" I 100 percent don't say casting director because mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. it's just questions. I just try to come up with something really boring. Do you always fly on planes with actors? Yeah. Oh. Well, you never know where they're going to pop up. But they're see, all over the place. Like you rats. don't know because if you ask them what they do, yeah. they also lie. Yeah. Do you actually do that? What? Lie. If someone asks you on a plane what you do, do you lie? No. You just say actor. Yeah. And then. Then are they like, what have I seen you in? Or they probably know what they've seen you in. You no, probably get recognized. The, no, a lot. Of, well, no, uh, no. I'm in the in the space of I know you from somewhere. What have I seen you in? Mm-hmm. And my answer is I can't tell you because I've I'm like a journeyman actor. I've done a lot. I'm like a mutt. I don't know what you've seen me in, but I can tell you my name and you can look it up on IMDb. And I, and I go, I hope that doesn't offend you. And they say, no, no. Uh, and then I tell them my name. And then that usually um, is the extent of the conversation. That's great. And then, well, and then they IMDb it. And then they tell me what they knew me in. Oh, and what is it usually? It's, it, I mean, it's, it, it could, it, sometimes it's the state. Sometimes it's uh, Party Down. Sometimes it's Wet Hot. Sometimes it's like weird one episode of Angel that I <laughs> Like it doesn't, it, it's like it's so random and it's, it's different every time. Right. All right, let's see what people want to know. What do people want to know? So I take questions over Patreon and Twitter. Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is a place where you can go and you could subscribe and there's different reward levels and uh, there's a bonus episodes you can get and there's a live stream. There's all sorts of fun stuff, but one of the perks is that you get your questions in ahead of the line. Can I just say something that does yeah. sound like a lot of fun? Patreon. It, it's so much fun. Ugh, it sounds like a, like a blast. It's a real kick in the pants. Yeah. Okay. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Colleen Marie says, how did he end up in the pre-show for Disney's Ride the Rockin' Roller Coaster? And is it true he's never been on the ride? I'm going to answer you, Colleen, I'm going to answer your second question first. It is true. I have never been on the ride. In fact, I have not been to Disney World since I was uh, in fifth or sixth grade, or seventh grade. So I have not seen the rock and roller coaster, and I think they were just building Epcot at that point. Mm. So it's been a long time. Um, I have not been on the ride, but I hear it's a terrific roller coaster. How did I get it? I had moved out here after the state, and I had booked a show called Men Behaving Badly. And at that time, the show hadn't come on yet. And when you book something, or at that time, when you book something and you're on a show, every once in a while, these weird offers come in. One of the weird offers was a uh, Tony Roma rib um, uh, uh, commercial where I did four or five different commercials. So I took it and took the money. And then another uh, offer that came in was, um, do you want to be the sound mixer who doesn't say anything for the beginning 
of the rock and roller coaster uh, 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 ride uh, host uh, that. Uh, that Aerosmith is the is the theme, or, or the, they're the hosts of it, mm-hmm. or whatever the thing is. And uh, uh, would you want to do that? Here's I don't know. I think they gave me five grand or something. And, and I was like, yes. I was like, yeah, I want to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do I want to hang out with uh, Aerosmith for the day? Yeah. And then they're like, and Ileana Douglas is also doing it. And I was like, yeah, she's great. Why wouldn't I want to? And, and they're like, you don't have any lines. I'm like. Fine. <laughs> That's better. I like no lines. And so I went there and then um, I had to wear these special contacts because it was shot on an, I- with IMAX, on an IMAX camera because they wanted it to look like it was actually real. I've never been there, so I don't know if it looks real or mm-hmm. if it looks like a video. Um, and I had to wear these special contacts because I was looking down at these very, very strong lights uh, in, the, in the soundboard. That was it was not you know little right. uh, little uh, uh, you know information um, you know Hollywood uh, behind the scenes information. It wasn't really a soundboard; what? it was just lights. What? Um, and I was acting like I was moving things around, but I wasn't. Oh my god! I know, I know. Um, and um, and then uh, I remember uh, Steven Tyler talking to me about flossing, and I was like, <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing! That's great because he's got you know some of the best uh, rock and roll teeth you've ever seen. What did he say about flossing? Floss every day. I mean, he went on and on about it, but <laughs> and it, and it was it was much more um, exciting to hear Steven Tyler really kind of wax poetic about flossing. Right. Uh, uh, but the, you know the the takeaway was floss every day. And do you? I do not. Even though Steven Tyler himself told you. You know, much like uh, many things, I went home and I immediately started flossing after right. Steven Tyler told me to do it. And then for weeks after, I was flossing every day. And then I, st- and then I uh, you know, fell off the wagon. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. I was all about uh, this fluoride rinse that's supposed to re-something or other your enamel. Yeah, re-something or other your enamel. Yeah, because my enamel needs to be re-something or other. I mean, I was, I've been saying that to you I know. for decades. It's kind of a problem. But then I you know, I fell off, and now I don't do it. And sorry, enamel. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Who was that? I don't know. Well, I think, I think it was, it was Steven enamel. Tyler. <laughs> uh, all right. Colleen would also like to know. Oh, Colleen, she really is on, on it. I mean, she is. She's got a few questions. I'm just going to jump ahead to her PS, and that'll make you feel warm. It just makes me feel like there's one person who had a question. No, there's just more. asked a lot of questions. This, PS, thank you for the state. For so many of us, it was an entrance into a whole other type of comedy. Well, that's not a question, and you're no, welcome. That's a comment. But her question is, how much do you still get catchphrases from the state? Which ones drive you nuts? Well, I think she's implying, or you know, insinuating that uh, I get, the, I want to dip my balls in it. Yeah. And does it drive me nuts? No, it doesn't. It's nice to know that uh, people after, I think we did that show from 93 to 95 and that there are people who still remember that show. That's exciting. When they run up to me and I'm walking with my kids and they scream, I want to dip my balls in it. (laughs) It's not great. Um, But, um, you know, I tend to say, listen, I'm with my kids, but uh, and I have now I have to explain to them what that's all about. Um, But, you know, every so often, it's uh, it's uh, like I was saying, like uh, you never know when somebody's going to come up and remember uh, something, and um, uh, and they so it just it just it happens uh, randomly. 
Ashley Brents would like to know, if Veronica Mars does come back to Hulu, would you mm. want to be a part of it given the chance? I can't listen to the Private Eye song without hearing his character's version from Veronica Mars. Um, of course. I love everybody on that show. Um, uh, you know, anything, uh, any chance to work with uh, Kristen Bell is exciting. And, uh, the you know, Rob uh, Thomas, uh, the, the people who created the show are people I care uh, enormously about. And... Um, uh, so yeah, any 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 chance to work with them again? Uh, I would love to. I know they they just announced that they're doing a Hulu is doing a short uh, limited series of Veronica Mars. So um, perhaps I'll be on it. We'll see. As a casting director, I might be able to help you. Oh my gosh, that's right. You're a casting director. I know. It's I'm a secret cast. Okay, uh, Christine Bissinger would like to know: Was filming the Wet Hot American Summer franchise as fun as it appeared? And who has been your favorite character to play, and why? Uh, yes, uh, my favorite character uh, that I played in Wet Hot American Summer was Victor. You had super curly hair, right? It was a wig. Okay. It was my contribution to the part. That and the shorts. Really? You provided the shorts and the wig yourself? I brought three. I went to a wig shop in uh, um, L.A. because I lived in L.A. and they were shooting in Pennsylvania. Mm. Or shooting, you know, they, they, right. were, they were pre-production was in New York and they were shooting in a camp in Pennsylvania. And I brought three different wigs. One was sort of an Aerosmith, um, uh, not an Aerosmith, uh, like an Allman Brothers type uh, blonde, but hmm. you saw the the dark roots, but then it was like a long blonde straight hair. One was sort of like a, a, a hair from like uh, the movie Slacker, Slackers. Uh, and then uh, one was the curly wig based on the, 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 there's a character in Meatballs. When did you move to LA and why? I moved to LA because I had booked a. Uh, I actually moved to LA because I booked uh, men a, behaving badly. A, yeah, men behaving badly. I came out the season before and shot a pilot uh, during pilot season with uh, it was a half hour uh, four camera uh, show called Housebroken with Sean Astin, Mark Ruffalo, and I were uh, played uh, brothers. But I don't know. I don't know what happened to those guys. I hope they're okay. I'm not familiar. Uh, Sean Astin's brother was on my favorite sitcom. Mac, of- Mac Astin. No? Yes, Facts of Life. He yeah. played Andy on Facts yeah, of Life. Do Mac you know Astin. him? Yeah, we shot a pilot. We, sh- oh, we shot a series together called, uh, not Leap of Faith, it was called First Years, and it was me and him and James Roday and Samantha Mathis and Sidney Pollock's daughter, Sydney. That went that. six or eight episodes on NBC and then got canceled. That's sort of my MO. Mm-hmm. Shoot a show, have it get picked up, have it get canceled. Right. Mary, how long did Marry Me last? We shot 18. They aired 13 or 14. But by the end of the season, uh, which I don't know where you can watch it, we get married. Yeah, I don't think I saw that. Yeah. Well. But thank you for letting me know. Spoiler alert. Okay, here are some questions that came in on Twitter. Brendan. Ah, the twit. I call it. You do? I I just did now. You did, I know. Sometimes I like to say something and then immediately say, I call it that. Like, that would be an example. Yes. What I just did. I get it. That's your quirky humor, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> They're yeah. quirky, subversive humor. Yeah, quirky and subversive. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Eric Aragon, who made him laugh the most from the state? Actually, can I? I'm just going to interrupt myself and tell you about uh, something that has nothing to do with this. I was having a text exchange with a friend of mine who's a producer and is sort of frustrated about stuff right now. And he said, I just, he said, I feel like people who are successful in this industry have a desire to be rich. That's something I've noticed. Mm -hmm. And people in comedy have something to prove. And I thought he was, I don't know how to describe what I thought. I thought he was doing a bit, essentially. Say that again. People who want to be successful. I can find it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, what we can do is uh, during this section, cut out this long. We pause. can cut out the long pause, right. or or you know, or just or just I'll just sing a little song. Oh my god, I would like um, to hear what the song is. I don't know. What should I sing? Some Aerosmith, maybe your flossing inspiration. Oh yeah, what do they sing? What's a uh, like Dream On? Loving or... an elevator, oh, yeah. giving it up when I'm going down. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. All right, here we go. So, dream on, dream on. Dream until your dream come. Go ahead. He's talking about uh, the industry. And I I offered this helpful. It's talking about like a project not going. And I said, this industry is dumb. That was, mm-hmm. I was busy and I just felt like that. Ca- that this industry is dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's very risk averse. One thing I think helps is the desire to be rich. One thing that helps is the desire to be rich? I think like helps having success in this industry. I don't know. I'm just telling you like what I, what I heard. He, right. he wrote one thing I think helps. Sorry, I left out the one thing I think. One thing I think helps is the desire to be rich. I have noticed that in many successful people I know. Also, in comedy, I think the desire to prove something helps a lot. So I thought mm-hmm. he's doing a bit. Right. The, the bit being like pseudo-deep cliches about the industry that are kind of obvious. Right. And I said, yeah, like an, in, in, like an internal fire. Do you think sometimes there are demons? And he said, a lot of comics are fueled by revenge. And then I like just started spouting dumb cliche. And I said, like a teacher who said you wouldn't amount to anything. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. Anyway, at a certain point, I said, oh, wait, are you being sincere? I'm just spouting cliches. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I'm being serious. And what happened? Are you guys... It was fine. And then I yeah. said, okay, tone adjustment. And then it was fine. But still... Um, what is your but what so you brought this up you stopped you stopped asking I know, these questions I, to bring this up why I'm trying to remember what made me think of it um because I'm fascinated because by you what bringing, made me think about well no you, what made you think of this that and then hearing it and now I'm curious what your point of view on that, that is what what your question because I I think this is hopefully hopefully everyone will be able to follow this train of thought I said that's just your quirky subversive humor. Mm-hmm. When you said, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know, it was, it was, it was something stupid that, that I was doing, right? Oh, I know what it was. You said that, um, the twit, that's what I like to call it. Yeah, the twit. And then you explained that sometimes you like to say something and then say that's what you like yeah. to call it. And I said, that's your quirky, subversive that's humor. Right. But that was sort of me, that, like that whole, that's just your quirky, subversive humor was sort of like in air quotes. Yeah. Like as if I don't as if I don't get comedy. No, right? I got that. Yes. I saw the air quotes. Okay. 
and I then, felt a little breeze. <laughs> I, I do. I do giant flapping air yeah. quotes when I, yeah. it's it's refreshing. Yeah. Um. Right. Cools everybody down. So I was, but I was thinking, oh, I hope, I hope you felt the flapping air quotes. Yes, I did. And that reminded me of this thing yesterday where I was completely on a different page mm-hmm. with a friend of mine thinking that we were both doing air quotes, but right. he was actually being totally honest and vulnerable. Right. But I feel like you want to, but do you have an opinion on, on that, on that particular topic? Did you agree or disagree with what he was saying? Did you want to talk about that, or was that, oh, no, was that just you would just bring that up as an example of uh, the the air quote? Uh, I was bringing uh, it up about. as an example of uh, why was I bring as an example of can you believe this embarrassing thing that happened this this awkward miscommunication, miscommunication. slight miscommunication? I see. Yes, I see. So it didn't have to do with the content uh, the, of the, the subject of the content of of what he was. Do you have something to say about the content of what he was saying? No, I mean, uh, no. It just it, it does seem you know. I, I don't understand the, the 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 rich part, but I guess comedians having a something I, to prove. I guess that that makes sense. I guess on some level. I think he is frustrated by trying to. I'm trying to figure out how much I can say without like totally revealing who this person is. I think he's a little frustrated with the industry right now. And he is someone who is not, he's ambitious creatively, but he's not ambitious in a materialistic sense. And I think he feels like he would want to, like it would help him if he cared about money, but he doesn't really. So since he doesn't care about money, like it's just, or maybe he's saying that he sees a lot of people in this industry are driven by financial interest and he's not. And I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people are driven by financial interest in this town because this is an expensive town to live in and to have success on some level, you need to live here. And in order to live here, you need to, uh, uh, you know, pay a lot of, pay a lot of bills. And so, but that, but I but I but I'm not. I'm, other than that, I'm not sure I understand the uh, the POV. Yeah, I th- I don't think I did. Really. <laughs> but I but I do feel guilt. I do feel bad that I missed that he was being sincere. Listen, you were, were you communicating via text or email? This was text. Yeah, it's very difficult to yeah. uh, to, to to read a, a text properly. Uh, right, you know, it's some you know, sarcasm or uh, somebody being um, making a joke or not making a joke or right. somebody being mad or somebody putting air quotes on something. It's just very difficult. He and he and I often communicate in air quote fashion. Mm-hmm. Hence, I feel like maybe I feel well, no, uh, maybe he, I, I was going to say maybe he should have issued some kind of like I'm being serious now, but no, I you're supposed to know. All right, it's nobody's now, fault. It's not his fault. It's not your fault. I mean, you. I think you guys work through it. Thank you. This is this is why you're one of my best friends. That's right. Eric Aragon would like to know who made him laugh the most from the state. Uh, I mean, everybody was everybody made me laugh at different times. I mean, I think you know uh, Tom Lennon is one of the you know the characters that he creates are incredible. I think Mike Black is like the one of the funniest people. And driest people, you know, around, and is amazing. David Wayne's oddball 
like takes on stuff is you know is something that I adore and want to be around all the time. Joe Latruglio was one of the funniest people when I didn't know how to deliver a line or I didn't uh, I was like what's the best way to say this when we were doing the state I would turn to him and without missing a beat he would say the line and it would always be the funniest version of hmm. how that line should be delivered um Kerry Kenny was you know just crazy funny and inspirational I mean everybody had everybody 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 was made me laugh for different reasons a Canning says, "How does he feel about being cast as an asshole pretty much 100% of the time?" Well, I saw that on uh, the the Twitter. The twit? The twit um yesterday and I the truth is is I'm not cast as an asshole uh most of the time. In fact, m- most of my 20s and uh, early 30s, I was never the asshole. I was always like the guy who, if I wasn't on the show, if I was a guest on the show, I was always like the nice guy boyfriend who then winds up having some sort of weird deformity or quirk or <laughs> something that was wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started doing asshole parts uh, because I was getting frustrated with being the nice guy boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the first asshole parts that I started wound up doing was uh, Veronica Mars and um, and then like then there was Burning Love and then there was Eastbound and Down and there was like a bunch of stuff where like people like oh we're like oh he can play an asshole and I and, and the way that started was I cast myself in like uh, movies like Wanderlust and um, uh, Role Models as the asshole because I, I it's, for me I enjoy playing asshole characters because you don't have to censor uh, any sort of instincts, and you're serving the story. But the bigger, the bigger, the bigger asshole you are, the the better you're serving the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I enjoy doing that. So then all of a sudden, I I was uh, seen as and cast as uh, more 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 often the uh, asshole. But then you know I did stuff like you know marry me, where I don't think I was an asshole, mm-hmm. and um, and I try to you know kind of bounce back and forth, but. Um, uh yeah, I do play an asshole uh, a, a lot or a, you know, kind of clueless asshole or just a, an aggressive asshole or but um um how do I feel about it? It's uh you know, it's in my wheelhouse, so I'm I'm happy I have that uh that in my toolbox. Do you feel typecast at all? No. I don't think so. Okay, Harmony Barnard says, he's been in so many things and worked with so many great people, I'm sure he can't pick his favorite. So instead, what has been his most memorable experience or moment on a show or movie? Uh, you know, I, I I just enjoy, I think there are shows that, and groups of people that I just, um, I just cherish that I had the opportunity to work with those people, you know, Children's Hospital, Working on Burning Love with my wife and then all those funny comedians, um, um, you know, uh, Eastbound and Down, getting to work with Danny McBride. Um, you know, I, I've just met a lot of really wonderful people over the course of my career up to this point. And um, I don't have any specific um, stories because my memory is really bad. 
but um, I do what I do remember is um, working with good people, like kind people, people who aren't just talented, but like people who have like are good human beings and have good hearts. And my goal is to, um, you know, until I stop doing it, is to work with people like that because uh, life's too short to work with uh, assholes. You seem like a pretty happy person, are you? I try to be. I try to find happiness in uh, my day-to-day life. But, you know, like uh, all of us, there are waves of uh, sadness or um, um, doubt or, uh, you know, anger or the green-eyed monster comes into play and you start thinking about, well, why why is that person doing that and I'm not doing Mm -hmm. this? But I always try to step outside of myself and um, look at what I who I am as a human being and what I've achieved professionally and what I've achieved in my personal life. And, uh, and I try to find the joy in that and the happiness in that. Has having kids changed? Um, well, I was going to say, has having kids changed how you approach your career? But yes. Well, go, but, but finish well, your question. I'm the, sorry. The, then I was going to change it. It just has changing kids had an effect on your career. So answer either of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, to me, for me, having children, um, my son and my daughter and my wife are the reason for being. And I love acting and I think it's fun and I love comedy and I, I enjoy it and I've always wanted to do it since third grade. Um but the the real uh, point of it all is uh, to um, make sure that you have the time and the wherewithal to spend and experience uh, the time uh, with your family and 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 watch them and um, be around them and experience uh, things and have and create memories. And the work is just a way to, as, uh, and this is why I was trying to figure out what what your friend was saying about the money. I mean, like, the reason I work, and this goes back to, uh, you know, my mentality of, about working and why I work is sort of why my dad was a cesspool cleaner and a clam digger. It's 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 to make money, put money in the bank, so you can um, um, be able to, so you're able to. Uh, have the house and pay for the kids to go to school and go on vacation with your family and, um, you know, maybe create a better life than, um, you know, not that I had a bad childhood, but like, you know, like not try not to worry about money as much. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but because of who I am and the DNA of who I am, I think about that all the time and I think about making sure that I have enough money to support my family and make sure my kids uh, don't have to struggle or um, or or um, you know so they have food and and clothes and a nice home and a pool they can swim in and stuff like that did you always want kids I don't know when I first started thinking about when I wanted kids but I think that in, in somewhere inside me, I knew that I wanted to have a family. Um, um, and I don't know when that 
when I started thinking about that. But I know that that's been there for a long time. Mm. All right. Now we do a segment called Just Me or Everyone. And this is where people write in with things they think or do. And they wonder, is it just me? Is it everyone? And then uh, we weigh in on whether it is us as well. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Brendan says hamburgers must have breadcrumbs mixed in with the meat. Hashtag just my girlfriend or everyone. Uh, I've never felt that hamburgers needed to have breadcrumbs mixed in. In fact, I've never heard that hamburgers had breadcrumbs mixed in with them. If you put breadcrumbs in with a hamburger, you're making a meatball. Yeah. So, or a meatloaf. Or, or a meatloaf. You're not. It's certainly no longer a burger. Right. Right. I think that's just your girlfriend. So what? What's his name? Brendan. Brendan, stop calling uh, meat with breadcrumbs in it burgers. Right. What's well, his girlfriend who does it? I think that he's actually hoping that we'll say that it's just her. So he it is just around. her. Yeah, it's just her. And it's not a burger. It's a. It's you're making a meatloaf patty. Right. Or you're making a meatball, depending on the uh, the, the, the shape. shape. That's right. Uh, Dave Cross, no, not that one, says, The horse flies around this coffee shop are indiscriminately flitting around everywhere, but whenever they land near me, they make me think I'm stinky. The horse flies are, are flying around. Where is he? At a coffee shop. Um, but when it, they land near him, he feels stinky. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I find it embarrassing if I'm in public and there's a bug that's like, won't leave me alone. Because mm-hmm. then it's like, what's on me that it's so interested in? I mean, it really, if you're thinking that, you probably uh, should just, as a life choice, maybe wash a little bit more. Because if there's a bug flying around me, I think that um, there's food or something nearby mm-hmm. that the bug wants. I never think that the... The fly itself uh, want is is hanging out by me because I stink. So I would say, wash your ass a little bit more. Right, and then you can have the confidence of a Ken Marino. Yeah, then you can have the confidence of there's just a piece of food or syrup somewhere nearby. Right. I another grooming question. Yeah. Do you get manicures? Because your hands and your nails and your cuticles, the whole hand situation is so uh, well groomed. No, I cut my own nails. Good I do work. go to the uh, Thai massage placing and I get um, foot massages from time to time mm. as well as just full body massages. Right. I I have uh, never gotten a facial. My wife got a facial the other day and she came and she said, I got a facial. And I was like, I never got a facial. And she said, yes, you have. And I don't remember ever getting a facial. But she claims you have. Yeah, but she couldn't pinpoint when. Mm, that's I might have gotten a, maybe one facial at some point, but I don't remember it. I've never gotten a facial. I like the idea of it. I feel like I'm supposed to. Yeah. You're supposed to get one. Well, we're BFFs. We should go we get sh- a facial oh my god! This. Oh, my God. We should get facials. Yeah. <clears throat> I was thinking of getting one before I got married for my wedding. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes you break out after a facial, and I just never have time right, for you that. Right. Well, I, I, that's what I always think about a facial. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes your face is traumatized, and right. so it's not like you look great after a facial. No. It's just and after three or four days, it heals, and then, then you probably feel great. Right. Then you're glowing. Yeah. 
you and I, we don't have time for that kind of downtime. No, no, not with our, no, no, not with no. these lives. I mean, when the, when I'll, I bet I'll walk out of this, this studio here and there'll be a, a, just a five, six ca- cameras just waiting for me. That's right. Tony Andrade says, this one just applies to me. Just found the book this weekend and realized it's not called Tropical Attire and Courage. I could have sworn that's what Allison's been calling it all these months. No, I have a book out called <clears throat> Tropical Attire and Courage, as in we want you to come to our party and wear tropical attire. So the book is Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. It's not Tropical Attire in Courage, although that sounds cool too. It's just not what the one I wrote. Um, there's, a, there's also a book called uh, Tropical Attire in Garage. Really? Uh, I have to assume there is. <clears throat> I have to assume that if you go on Amazon, you can buy all three, mm-hmm. and it'll like give you the price you for get, all three. Yeah, you get Often it, you bought get a together. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Megan says, "When I'm generally stressed out by my life, it makes sorry. When I'm generally stressed out by life, it makes me a nervous driver." I assume all the drivers around me have road rage and I half expect to get in an accident constantly. I end up overcompensating defensively for mistakes that other drivers aren't making. No, I don't have that, thankfully. I don't think that my mood affects my driving that much. I need to hear that whole thing again because that that went all over the place. But I would say at one point she says, I half expect. And I would say go with the other half of your instincts. (laughs) Yeah, right. If you're only half expecting, you're there's, only another, half half there's an- another half that's probably thinking the right thing. That's right. Uh, she said when she's generally stressed out by life, it makes her a nervous driver. She assumes all the drivers around her have road rage and she half expects to get in an accident. So she ends up like driving defensively. From well, his, what's know. her name? Megan. Megan, you should always drive defensively, whether or not you're stressed out. Or uh, whether you think people have, you should, oh, and always anticipate that people have road rage. Always drive defensively is the point. So is it just you? I don't know. I don't quite understand your question, but I think for you, just me, just this is me talking to you now. This is Ken to Megan. Drive defensively. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you're in a good mood or a bad mood, you should be driving defensively. There's a lot of crazy people out there. That's right. Do you like driving? Yeah, I like driving. James Leroy Wilson says, Seems that funny dog videos have overtaken funny cat videos in social media popularity. Uh, maybe? I don't know. And, is, and do, do you end, end all of these? Is it just, is it just me? That's or? Yeah. Hashtag just me or everyone. Um, I, you know, I mean, I think the, uh, the, the, the world is enough room for both funny cat videos and dog videos. Are, are there more, are people into the dogs more now? Sure. The movie Dog Days came out and people are like, oh, just clamoring for more dog right. stuff. They you just need it. more dog material. Okay. Lisa Lowry says, when in a restaurant that is empty, all I can think is there must be a lot of food on the verge or past its expiration. Uh, now this is a follow-up to the one she sent in a few weeks ago saying that when she's in a crowded restaurant, all she can think about is like spittle flying out of people's mouths and germs Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So then she says, apparently I should just stay home. Or just go to a restaurant that's sort of half full. (laughs) Yes. I remember, uh... Was in there was this guy that I was seeing in New York when I lived there, and we went out with his brother and sister in law, and we 
went into a restaurant and there weren't many people there. And the sister-in-law decided that we shouldn't eat there because it wasn't happening enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever had that reaction. I'm always just like, awesome, not that many people. Right. I, I, mean, nev- I never need to be in a happening restaurant. I don't need to be in a happening restaurant. I will say that it's not just you. If you go into a restaurant when other restaurants around that area are full, chances are it's not a great restaurant. Right. And uh, yes, I have thought at times, well, how long is this, you know, the chicken that they have in the freezer or fridge going to last or the vegetables? Um, or they're losing money. Um, and so then, it, and then you see all these shows on uh, the, you know, the, the where the guy comes in and he yells at them for having a shitty kitchen. What is it? Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Hell's, not, not Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Gordon Kitchen Nightmares. Kitchen Nightmares or whatever it is. Where or they bar come, yeah, rescue. And like the the vegetables have been sitting there too long and they're sitting in their own uh, urine uh, 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 rot. And I don't know if vegetables pee, but if they do, they would probably be sitting in their own urine because they can't get up and go to the bathroom. Right. We all know that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I've thought about that. But then there are times when I go into a restaurant off peak when it's between lunch and dinner or um, it's the weekend and that place gets a lot of traffic during the weekday. And that those restaurants, I'm happy to eat their food because I know that they uh, they uh, they're, they're, they they take care of their shit. Mm-hmm. Yes, the I think the ideal situation is popular restaurant, and you happen to catch them when they aren't that crowded. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> and lastly, Patrick Ryan says, "Just me or everyone." Before I pee, I fire off a few short tracer rounds to ensure the target is acquired and locked in. Avoids collateral damage, rim, floor, wall, <clears throat> cat, etc. Just me or everyone? What was the last part? Ran, <clears throat> Rand Paul? What did you say? <laughs> rim, floor, wall, cat. Things that he could accidentally pee on. I see. That's so the collateral he shooting, damage. So is is he saying that he sh- he's not shooting straight? Yeah, yeah. Because he also did hashtag split stream. Yeah, he's got a little extra skin fold on his urethra, and so if there's not enough pressure, mm. uh, it comes out in a little split. But then it'll start to it'll it'll come together it'll again merge. once the uh, once uh, you kind of uh, pick up the pressure. So just you know like. Here's my advice to you: just hold back a couple extra seconds before you pee, and then oh. it'll come out like, uh, like um, you know, like a like a fire hose. So you don't fire off a few tracer rounds. Like sh- 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 that's what it sounds like to me. I don't that- even understand. Like I mean, I no, I, I no, I don't. No. Can all men do that? Like that's a or is he saying that he can't thing. help it? That that's what he does. Because then it could be that he has uh, like uh, what do you call it? Um, not chlamydia, but. Um, <laughs> You know, like uh, he's got some sort of uh, venereal disease. That makes you what? That makes it hard to pee. Oh. I don't know which ones make it hard to pee. It's, 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 gonorrhea? Uh, I, I, syphilis? Gonorrhea. I think okay. gonorrhea is one of them, right? Sure. Syphilis? I don't know. They, they, I mean, they all sound... I say I don't know, but I've, I've had but all of them. <laughs> well, which one made it hard for you to pee? I don't know. I was like hallucinating at the time. Right. I couldn't pee. Uh no, he's I was saying, filled with pee in my mind. I just, right. like, just everything yeah, shut down. Yeah, your eyes turned yellow. Yeah. He's saying before he pees, he he pees a little bit. And I'm just saying, isn't that hard <clears throat> to do? Because that takes a lot of like your con- yeah. control of something. Maybe that's like a Kegel thing. That's It is a Kegel thing. Yeah. So Do men do those though? 
Yeah, I think so, right? Are, is, is Kegel Kegel just for women? I Kegel's maybe. not just for women anymore. <laughs> is that the new? <laughs> that's the new. That's their new slogan. Um. All right. So I take it you don't do that. It's just him. I'm doing it's Kegel exercises right now. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> Ken Marino. It was delightful catching up with my best friend. Oh my gosh, BFFs forever. I look. I, it's every week. I'm like, when am I going to go see Allison, my best friend, and talk to her with microphones in front of our faces? Uh-huh. And here we are. Here we are. It finally happened. Yes. So I appreciate it. Thank I you. appreciate. I appreciate you. I appreciate the fact that you're uh, willing to do this show while carrying a child. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't gotten in the way yet, but when I was pregnant with Elliot near the end, I, I could no longer sit on this chair. I sat on a bouncy ball. Mm. I see one right there. It was bigger than that. That's mm-hmm. the, uh, that's the accidentally small ball we bought. Is, is, was that the, is that the name of the ball? Accidentally, the accidentally small, small ball? <laughs> it Can I get be. one of those, uh, accidentally <laughs> small balls behind it the counter, please? should be, because then when you receive it, you wouldn't be like, what? This is not at all right. the size we wanted. No, they're setting you up. They're yeah. telling you. They're then telling it's you right like, there on the labeling. Like purposefully small ball. On the label, rather. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, this was a surprise small ball. But my mother-in-law is a tiny woman, so it's like the right size for her. Did well, when you how, had how, how small? Three foot two? <laughs> no. I think she's like five foot one, maybe? Five foot one. Five yeah. one. It's Might the, as well be three, two. Small ball sized. Yeah. Yeah, they're almost the same when you get that small. Yeah. But anyway, uh, when you had children, was it a thing to bounce your babies on yoga balls to soothe them? Uh, not on yoga balls. I would just bounce them just walking around. Okay. I still do. Like, I still like, I still like when I'm standing without uh, my children, I still rock yeah. like this. And Well, all the um, rage now. What's the rage now? sitting on a ball and bouncing when you have a baby yeah hence we bought the big ball Mm -hmm. uh and or we might have already had it but anyway it really when he was an infant it really did make him stop crying instantly if you would bounce him on the ball so then we got the second ball but it was a no-go but then when my mother-in-law was here it worked for her her. yeah right because she couldn't climb up on one of those big balls she's she did a a ladder yeah Yeah. she's like two and a half feet actually yeah she's the ladder and that's just it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. Sure. She's not a circus balancing kind of person. No. Ken. Uh, Allison. Where can people find you? And would you like to plug anything? This is, give them a, give them a chance to uh I mean, you know, if you haven't you. gone seen Dog Days, it's now out of theaters, but go see it, uh, you know, when it comes on the... Um, it'll be streaming soon, right? On the, yeah, sure. It'll be somewhere. And it's a, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a family movie. You can watch it with your uh, family. If you don't have a family, you can watch it by yourself. But it's funny and it's, it's sweet and it's... Um, uh, I think you'll enjoy that. And then I just, uh, Chris Kelly and uh, Sarah Schneider, who were, who were the head writers until recently of SNL, they wrote a show called um, The Other Two for Comedy Central, and we shot that series. Uh, we just finished that. That comes out January 20-something. Um, and that, uh, it's uh, Drew Tarver and Helena York and then uh, Molly Shannon and myself and um, 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 Wanda Sykes. And some other funny people, and uh, that's I'm 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 proud of that project. I think Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider are super funny people, and so the other um, two, the other two, yeah. 
And then, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm all around. Like You're I on said, the twit. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I mean, I'm here and there. I'm, I'm bouncing around. That's right. I'm doing stuff. And as am I. Get my book, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. If you go to my website, alisonrosen.com, there's many places to click. It'll take you right to Amazon where you can get it. Uh, available in all formats, t-shirts, ringtones, all that available, pins, uh, alisonrosen.com. Follow me on Twitter, Allison Rosen. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. And also I'm on Instagram, Allison Rosen. All right. Thank you for doing the show. My Listeners, pleasure. thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? Rosie is your new best friend.